Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. So as I mentioned during this month of November, uh, we're focusing on the theme, the emotionally healthy woman. And uh, our congregation has been in this topic for uh, almost a month now, will be until uh, early December. This is the book that was written by the author's wife, Jerry Scazzaro. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Woman. And the subtopic is eight things that you have to quit in order to change your life. See, a lot of people want to have a changed life, but they don't want to do anything differently. So there's some things that you have to quit in order to change your life. Uh, and change is hard. Change is hard. Nobody likes change except a wet baby. And the older you get, the harder it is to change. But you have to quit some things in order to change your life. We have um, chosen to, um, to assign the eight chapters of this book to 12 leading ladies of our congregation that each one is going to, in a TED Talk format, deal with one, uh, one of these chapters at their own choosing and, uh, and not preach, but just talk. So if you came expecting to get your, <laughs> you know, and you want the organ to tune up, that's not going to happen this month. Amen. They each have a, they have a talk for us. But I guarantee those who were here at the earlier service, we were all challenged and blessed as a result of what they had to share. Uh, coming up first is Teresa Jones. Teresa is the chief ministry operations officer here at Parklawn, where she has the responsibility for ministry and business operations. She is married to her husband, John. They have two adult children, Dwayne and Dawn. And they have three grandchildren, as well as two dogs, Sheba and King. They've been members here at Parklawn for the past seven years. And today, Teresa is going to be sharing highlights from chapter one from the book, The Emotionally Healthy Woman. And that chapter is entitled, Quit Fearing What, Others People, what, Quit Fearing what Other People Think About You. Choose Freedom Instead. Let's put our hands together. Let's welcome Teresa Jones as she comes. Thank you, Bishop, and good morning, Parklawn. Well, Bishop told you it was a TED Talk, so TED Talks are fast, so we're going to jump right in. So I have a question for you this morning. Are you a people pleaser or are you a God pleaser? God pleaser. So as Christians, most people would respond that way. Um, you would say that you're a God pleaser. But in the book, The Emotionally Healthy Woman, 
Jerry Scazzaro challenges us to do some self-examination. And you might be surprised as you answer some of these questions as to which side you really are on. So media, I'm gonna ask you to cue up the video. People remember that show. So Joan, Maya, Lynn, and Tony, they were all best friends. And as women, we value friendships with our sisters, right? They're our girls, they're our BFFs, they are our best friends. They're there through thick and thin, they're there for everything, and they are our girlfriends. But sometimes our girlfriends give us good advice, and then other times they might steer us wrong. And we saw that if you watch that show, right? Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having good friends, but the problem comes in when we start valuing the voice of our friends more than the voice of God, amen? So God wants to be the voice, not that show that we watch, but the one that we turn to, the one that we really can depend upon. So how do you know if you're crossing that line into being a people pleaser? Well, I'm gonna pose some questions here for you to examine yourselves. So I have to answer out loud, just think about it. So do you pretend to agree with everything that people say just to be liked by others? Like going out to lunch with your girls and you order an appetizer and they order an entree and by the time that bill comes, they go, oh, we want to split the bill evenly, right? I know you've been there, right? So then all of a sudden, that bill for you is like $45, but you really were intending on spending like $15, but you don't say anything, right? Because you don't want, to know, want people to think that you don't fit in with the group. Let's meditate on that for a minute. We've all been there. Do you often find that you feel responsible for how other people feel? You don't want to make them feel bad. Or are you in charge of your time, or do you let other people take control of your time? And remember last week, Pastor Jay told us about the five heartbeats in Big Red. What was his office hours? Nine to five. So you letting people control your time? Do you have problems saying no? Okay. Are you uncomfortable if somebody is angry with you? Or do you need praise to feel good about yourself? If you find that you are answering yes to multiple questions like this, and there's, there's more I could share with you, you might be becoming somebody who is starting to value the opinion of your friends more than what God thinks. I found myself at that crossroads a couple of years ago. Many of you know I went through a job transition. And I remember, um, was a couple years ago, I remember that my company was being restructured and I had just found out about it. I didn't know what impact that was gonna have for me, but I just believed that God would take care of me in the midst of it all. Well, that was in the spiritual. Then I went home and I talked to my husband and he said, I got you. So when a man tells you that and it's your husband, you say, all right, I'm feeling pretty good, right? Everything's gonna be okay. But what happens next? So we go back to work, right? And we begin to talk to who? Our girlfriends at work. You know, those people at the coffee pot, the people at the water cooler, your lunch buddies. We do just like that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Remember that show? So what did they do when they got in trouble? 
They phoned a friend. They called in a lifeline. They polled the audience. We have to talk to our girls. So at work, and in the business world, don't call them your girlfriends or your colleagues, right? So my colleagues, my girlfriends, they had lots to say, of course. I'm going to illustrate what talking to our friends can look like. And here are all of some of the different opinions and voices that I unfortunately entertained. So friend number one said, girl, you work closely with the CEO. You should talk to him and ask him for a reference. So I thought, good idea. You know, his recommendation will count for something. So I went and talked with him. And then friend number two said, oh, I should say the CEO said, you know what, you should go and talk to all of these different senior leaders. Tell them what you've done here at this company. And so I ran around and I did that, talking to six different people trying to sell yourself. I felt like I was getting to the point where I was actually begging for a job. And I said, this is getting really ridiculous now, okay? Friend number three said, you know what? You belong at their corporate office. You should be willing to go down to St. Louis. So I flew down there and talked to those people as well. And then friend number four said, and you always have this one friend, right? Girl, what you gonna do? You'll never find another job that's gonna pay you that much. You better get in where you can fit in. Apply for any job, doesn't matter, just, just as long as you keep a job here. Can you imagine being pulled like that? I felt like I was running over here and I was running over there and I felt like about this big. I found myself just getting tired of it all and so I just began to pray. I needed a serious word from the Lord. Have you been there? So God reminded me to read 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Let's take a look at that and let's read together. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So I was reminded, I am the righteousness of God. I am okay because of Christ. So sometimes we need those reminders, right? Then he took me to Psalm 37 and 25. And it says... I have been young, and now I'm old, and by the way, I don't claim old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And God told me, you don't have to beg for anything, right? You are a child of God. And so I said, thank you, Lord, you're right, I don't have to beg. And at that moment, that very moment, I knew I had to stop listening to my friends and just tune in to God. Then he took me to Exodus 9 and 1. I'm like, Exodus? What does that have to do with this? And so the Lord said to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they may worship me. On this one, it took me a little while to figure it out because I didn't want to really believe what God was telling me. On this one, I said, really, Lord? Are you telling me to tell my employer to let me go? Really? Mm, I don't know about that one. But the confirmation came later, and it was yes. So I went and I talked to my husband, and he said the same. So I said, I want out. Just let me go. And then God took care of the rest. My colleagues thought I was crazy. They were asking for asking to be let go. Who would do that? Um, I was being pulled back and forth, and it was actually tearing me apart. Well, the rest is history. I am now here at Parklawn, contenting what God has done, not doing what my friends thought I should do, but content in the opportunity to work and serve in his house. So sisters, when you shut out all those extra voices, God will make a way of escape. He'll allow you to step into whatever is next meant for you in your life, free of all those voices, but tuned in even more to his voice. God's voice brought peace, a peace that I really can't describe, 
free from all of that craziness that I was really trying to follow my friend's advice. So many times we have to let go so that God can open that next door to that new life. Jerry Scazzaro tells us our self-worth comes from God. We don't need people to validate us, right? We're made in God's image. That's what makes us or gives us worth. God values us for who he has made us to be, not for what we do. We are loved and we're okay because of Christ, so we don't need the approval of our friends. There's also consequences of looking to others rather than God for validation and approval. And those consequences can sometimes be disastrous. Remember the story of Aaron and Moses in the golden calf? Aaron got caught up listening to the people complaining about um, complaining while Moses was gone and found himself building an idol god. He knew it wasn't right, but he succumbed to what? The voices of the people. And then God later punished them by sending a plague. So the consequences of looking to others rather than God for validation can not only be uh, disastrous to you, but also to your relationship with God and even sometimes for those that you love, just like in the case of Aaron. So sisters, God wants us to make his voice and his word more powerful than any other voice, right? He wants us to elevate his name above all other names. So you say, Sister Teresa, how do you break free from people pleasing? Well, these are just seven points that you might want to uh, think about. First, you need to pray and read the word of God. And when you do this, ask God what you should do first, not your friends. Someone once gave me a bookmark and it said, women who kneel in prayer can stand through trials. God wants us to stand upon him and his word and his promises. And then start telling the truth. Don't be at those uh, lunch meetings and don't say, I don't want to pay for that $50 entree. <laughs> So say no to some small things and even say no to your friends. Don't worry about what people will think and don't look to others to make you feel good about yourself. You're already okay because of Christ. And lastly, take a stand for something that you believe in. You might find that others begin to respect you more for being true to yourself. And by the way, those same girlfriends who thought I was crazy for saying let me go, well, later they follow suit, and they ask to be released also. So see how God works? One of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 1 and 6, and it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a great work in you is faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus. Park Long God is faithful. If we only put our complete faith and trust in him and stop listening to our friends for validation and direction, God wants us to look to him for all of our help, not some, not, you know, just a little bit, but all of it. All of our help comes from him. And we have to quit being afraid of what others think because God loves us and he's counted us worthy already. So the more that we tune into his voice, we ground ourselves in him and his identity, the less we need the approval of others. And if we don't break through our need for approval and validation from others, we're stunting our own growth. So, in summary, quit being afraid of what other people think. And now you can say it with me. We are God-pleasers, not people-pleasers. Amen. Thank you. Come on, let's show our appreciation again to Teresa.
We are God pleasers, not people pleasers. Wow. You know, this is good not just for the ladies, but for the men too. Amen. I saw the ladies standing up, but you know, brothers, you know, we kind of, you know, we kind of hard, like, I ain't pleasing nobody. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You didn't, you didn't split the bill when you didn't want to. This is good for us. So thank you again, Teresa. That is liberating. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's not be yoked with anyone other than Jesus. Thank you. Quit fearing what other people think about you. That's good. Crystal Arrington uh, has earned degrees from both Alvernal College and Grace Theological Seminary. Professionally, she has experience in human services, real estate, and most recently, government housing. In her spare time, Crystal enjoys volunteering at the Joy House Women's Shelter, and she enjoys spending time with her husband, Elder Dr. Marcus L. Arrington, and their beautiful children, Jason Marcel and Michaela Imani Arrington. Let's put our hands together and welcome Crystal as she talks about quit blaming. I quit blaming. I quit blaming and I took my life back. I had run out of all the excuses. All the excuses as to why I had not been or became the woman of God that the Lord had called me to be. I quit blaming and I had to repent to the Lord. I repented to God because I had become a blamer. I blamed my parents for conceiving me out of wedlock. I blamed my father for abandoning me, not validating me and protecting me. I blamed church hurt for strangling my spiritual life. I blamed family so-called friends. I blame my husband's success. Even though I met him in ministry, we had two small children. There was no way we could both continue to go hard after the things of God. So I put my gifts on the shelf. Through it all, what I didn't recognize then that I know now is that God was wooing me. He was wooing me and shaping me. He was teaching me. He was molding me so that I can become the woman of God that I am today and to stand before you and declare that I quit blaming and you can too. We can both take, all of us take, our lives back. We don't have to go not another day with untapped potential, untapped promises and purpose unrealized dreams. God wants his best for us. There's more. Besides, what would the child you used to be think of the person you could become now? What would that little boy or girl say to you? I know that my little person would say, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think we can. I think we all can take our lives back. In the book, Emotionally Healthy Woman, the author points out that blaming initially comforts us. It gives us the illusion that we are in control. But it also can give us the illusion of helplessness, that we've run out of options, that we have no choice. Did you know that blamers are typically angry people? 
smiling in your face, full of anger, enraged on the inside. Wait for it. Blamers are always often um, preoccupied with thoughts about what other people are not doing. Blamers make another person, another group, a thing responsible for why it is that they lack fulfillment in their lives. Now, as children, parents, guardians, we are responsible. Uh, as a child, um, we know our voices and choices, they're limited. I'm sure we all can recall moments in our childhood which were beneficial for the strengthening and development of our character. But there are also some of us out here that can recall uh, uh, situations and events in our childhood that were detrimental. Somebody dropped us, somebody violated us, somebody hurt us, somebody did not validate us, somebody neglected and rejected us, and we don't know why. But whether in this life or the next, those individuals that were responsible will have to give an account. I am comforted by the word of God. Apostle uh, Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, woman, come on, ladies, I put away childish things. I am certain some of you, probably everybody over the age of 21 have spoken these or declared these similar words. I'm grown. It's my prerogative. I can do what I want to do. Oh, it's coming to me. YOLO. You only live once. I pay the cost to be the boss. Well, guess what? It's time to stop blaming and for us all to take our lives back. In my line of work, and even in my life personally, I can't tell you how many people I've run into that get caught in the rat race of life, they're on this hamster wheel, they keep making continual mistakes, wanting someone to bail them out, and all because we, they won't stop the game, the blame game. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. There is no one that is responsible for us or our lives, but us. We have to quit blaming people why our relationships have failed. We gotta quit blaming people for why our bills are not paid that we created. We have to quit blaming people for our church growth. Mm. We have to quit blaming people why we are not farther than where we are. Understand, there is no one person that can sanction your salvation, whom the Lord has set free is truly free indeed. Let's take our lives back. I mentioned in first service a song that kept German. It's just in my spirit, and it is not gospel, but it's still in my spirit. <laughs> it has a way of calling women to be responsible. It has a way of calling women to swear to their own hurt. How do we think we really gonna pretend like we wasn't down when we called them again? Oh, Lauren Hill, do wop that thing. 
It's silly when girls show their souls because it's in. Baby girl, respect is just a minimum. Okay, I need to stop because there's some other verses I can't say. Jesus. But ladies, we need to quit talking on our necks and saying we are Christians. Ah, uh, don't worry, ladies. The second verse was dedicated to the men. Okay. It's not easy, ladies. It's not easy, people of God, but we have to do it. We've got a journey through the wall. I hit it. I hit the wall. And it's not easy, but we got to go through it. I was caught up in my life of serving and doing and being that good wife and measuring what I'm doing to the Proverbs 31 woman and making sure I'm picking up the cleaners and keeping the house clean and being hospitable. And then somebody asked me what I want to do for my birthday, and I was dumbfounded. And it was a trigger, and I started to break down days later, and I let the person that I love so much, my husband, have it. I was, nobody appreciates me. Everything I do, don't no one call me to check on me. How can I keep doing for people and they don't do for me? And my loving husband looked at me after I cried it all out, snotted it all out, and he said to me, didn't nobody ask you to do all that in the first place? Uh, we need kings. We need kings. He was right. I had nobody to point the blame at but myself. Ladies, we have to take our lives back. We've got a journey through the wall. We have to change for our health, for our marriages, for our children, for our children's children. We have to change for our, our own personal freedom. It's not easy, but we have to do it if we want to be who God has truly called us to be. I leave with the last slide. It's a personal freedom toolkit that was offered to us in the book. Number one, the fence of separateness. We have to set boundaries for ourselves and respect those of others. We have to use the voice of declaration. No one knows us like us. We need to advocate for ourselves and speak up. The yes, no medallion. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you do want to do it, do it. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. Heart of feelings. We are emotional. We should pay attention to our emotions. Our emotions. Just don't let them rule us. The oxygen mask of self-care. Take care of ourselves. Ladies, we got to take care of ourselves emotionally, physically, spiritually. We have to do it for ourselves. The mirror of self-confrontation. Sometimes we know we need to be shutting up. And we, sometimes we have to confront our own selves to be quiet, to be nice, to sit on our own hands and don't make those phone calls. Pray about it. For real, pray about it. The key of hope. Which areas in your lives do you see as being hopeless if they'll never change? Have you really done all you can do? Did you put the word on it? Are you standing on the word regarding it? The hat of wisdom. We all have been through some things. We've watched our loved ones go through some things. Let's learn from those experiences and anticipate outcomes. The badge of courage. No one said this would be easy. <laughs> but it's worth it. 
So for those areas before that I mentioned that are hard, don't give up. Don't ignore them. Keep, keep, keep trying. Keep pressing. We can't change other people. But with God's help and his grace, we can start to change ourselves. Amen? Praise God. Wow. Wow. I want you all to say this with me. I blame. Say it together. I blame. That's, that's a, uh, an acronym. I better look at my excuses. I blame. Because as long as we're making excuses, we're not taking responsibility for things that we've created. And things are not going to change. Eight things that we must quit doing in order to change our lives. Thank you, Crystal. Let's show our appreciation to her again. Wow. I hope this is refreshing as for you as it, as it is for me. We have one more um, messenger today. And uh, this bio doesn't have everything about her. It doesn't have how fine she is, how much she loves her husband. The reason I say she loves me, she demonstrated she loved me because she followed me to Africa two weeks ago. Now, now brothers, I'm going to let you know, anytime you get somebody that go to Africa with you, because that's not like going to Ohio and Disneyland. That's, that's love right there. <laughs> so she went with me, and I thank God for her. Lady Judy Harvey is... My wife, she's the mother of our son, Nicholas, grandmother of our granddaughter, Autumn. Professionally, she's a successful real estate agent. She enjoys cooking, baking, spending time with her friends and family. She enjoys traveling. She enjoys going to the movies and going for long walks and reading the word of God. She's our final messenger today. Let's put our hands together and welcome Lady Judy Harvey as she comes. Started it. She started. Amen. Now you know he needs to quit it. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I'm gonna try to stay in one spot because Bishop always tell me I walk too much. I'm gonna try not to preach. I'm gonna try to just do a talk. All right. Amen. What if I do? Please excuse me. <laughs> Praise God. Sister. My sister told me, do what I want to do, so <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. November 2000, 2004 was supposed to be a good year for us. My son's first year of college, we were empty nesters. We were looking forward to traveling and going all, doing, and just getting to know each other, you know, again, and having fun and enjoying each other. Okay. And you know, not knowing that life would change, 
Well, how many of you know that sometimes it can change in a matter of minutes? So in 2004, November 2004, my life changed. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was asked to come back and then uh, come back for another mammogram and biopsy and blood work. Later, the image department called me and they asked me to go to St. Michael's. Y'all know St. Michael's Hospital used to be open, right? For a biopsy in their imaging department because they wanted to do a stereotector procedure on me and they didn't do it where I was going at the clinic. So I felt like, a like I was in a whirlwind. My whole life was in a whirlwind. I felt like I was just getting, my, mind, my life was changing right before me. I was tired, I was sore, and I was, I was discouraged. But I still denied the anger, sadness, and fear. The doctor called me afterwards, and it's never a, a good thing or a good feeling to get a call from a doctor. It's not, not talking about you, brother. That's my brother. He can call me anytime. <laughs> so he asked me, he said, uh, are you driving? In which I was. I was driving. I got to put these glasses on. Y'all can't have see without them. So I was driving, and he asked me, he said, he said, um, pull over, pull, over, pull your car over. So I did that. I was on my way to have uh, lunch with my uh, girlfriend. Bishop at that time was out of town. So I pulled over, and he said um, that he needed me and my husband to come back to the office so he can discuss the test, test results. So we went to his office, and he shared with us that the test results test results showed that I had breast cancer. So we talked about treatment options, and I felt overwhelmed. Bishop did too. We left the office with heavy hearts, but still not expressing what we felt. We may be your bishop and your first lady, but we're trying to keep it real, and we are human. We're human. Amen? We have real feelings. Still denying the anger, the sadness, and fear. You know, men, they, they express themselves differently. You know, they feel like they, can, they have to hide and cover up their emotions, never showing their weakness. So that was kind of hard dealing with. But my husband, I have to say that, I thank God for him. When I was going through this, I thank God for my husband. I praise God for my whole family. It was a, a great support. I thank God that I had a great support. My son, I thank God for him helping me through all of this. But, you know, I'm in the house with two men. So I, I was in the house at that time living with two men, so it was kind of hard and difficult going through that. But my husband was able to really express himself. But I know that sometimes he had hard, a hard time of doing that just as well. And it's sad to say that most Christians think it's a sign of not having faith. Not having faith is sad to show fear, anger, and sadness. But we have to remember that God has given us those emotions. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with showing that. 
That doesn't make you a weak Christian because you're showing, the, showing that. You're human. You're human. That's what I tell a lot of ladies that I deal with. I talk to them when they're going through the cancer, and then they say, well, I'm scared. And, I, and you know, I was crying. I say, hey, it's all right. It's all right to cry. It's all right to get angry. And it's all right to be sad because I definitely had my moments. And, yes, like I said before, I felt angry. I felt fearful, and I felt sad. But you know what? I didn't stay there. Amen? I didn't stay there. That's what I tell them. Brush yourself off. Don't stay there. So after I stopped denying my emotions, and I, I saw I felt better. I could think clear. I was free. I just felt like a load had been lifted. And now I could hear the voice of God speaking to me. And that's what I needed at that time, to give me sound direction on how to proceed. So what I did is I started building myself. I started building myself up in every scripture, spelling scripture that I could find. I started writing down scriptures on healing and standing on them, standing on them. It's one thing to write something down, but if you don't stand on the word of God, it means you nothing. So I surrounded myself with Bible-believing people. And I got away from the naysayers. It's important, ladies and men. It's so important to know who you're connected with. You got to connect yourself with the right people when you're going through a battle. Amen? Because people are trying to tell you what you should be doing. But you got to know that God is speaking to you and giving you direction and telling you what you should be doing. Amen? So that's what I had to do. Excuse me for walking. That's what I had to do. I had to, I had to get with God. I had to get along with him. I had to let God speak to me because I was in a battle. I had to make some decisions. So it required me to get with somebody that I knew that would, would take my hand and say, hey, we're going to pray. We're going to believe and trust God. I had one lady to tell me that I should even have, have my surgeries. She said, oh, no, God told me to tell you that you shouldn't even have surgery. I said, okay, God didn't tell me that. So you got to be careful who you listen to. And this same lady that told me that. Now, I was a little frank in the first service, so I'm going to be nice. She, she, went to, she went to the hospital, and she had some, some cosmetic things done for her to build herself up. And it's already nothing wrong with that because, hey, one day I'm going to probably try to get my face tightened up or get my body tightened up. You know, so ain't nothing wrong with that. But she had the nerve to tell me not to get my surgery. What am I going to do, leave the cancer inside of me? All right, I'm not, I'm not preaching, y'all. I'm not preaching. Let me keep on going. Let me keep on going. But really, though, you have to be careful who you listen to. You really do. I've been there, and I know. So I began to shake myself. And there's something about when you call on the name of the Lord. I want to say that again. It's something about when you call on the name of the Lord. It changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere. You got to call on the name of the Lord when you're going through something like that. And God said to me, this sickness is not unto death, daughter. I got you. I see your tears. He said, I see your tears and I will not leave you. 
I have not forsaken you. Sometimes you feel so alone when you're going through something like that. And you don't know what's going to happen. You, know, you, don't have, you always don't know what is the unknown. I think that's the most fearful thing it is. But I want to let you know, if you're going through something today, know that God has you. It may not be breast cancer, but it may be another type of cancer you may be going through or another type of illness that you may be going through. But God got you in his hands. He has not forgotten about you. He got you in his hands, and God will take care of you. Just put it in God's hands and trust him and know that he will. God will do it. He will do it. Don't take the doctor's report. It says, whose report should I believe? I should believe the report of the Lord. Believe his report. Stand on God's word. Do it for God. And let him get the glory out of it. Amen. I stand, I stand before you today, 14, I stand before you today, cancer-free, 14 years out, 14 years out, God is good, won't he do it, won't he do it, won't he do it, he does for me, he'll do it for you, amen, he'll do it for you, God will do it for you, amen, hallelujah, God is good, God is good, hallelujah, God is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, you're awesome, God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Whoo! Thank you, Jesus. Let's quit denying the anger, the sadness, and the fear. Amen. I have some healing scriptures that I would like to share with you all and like to read them with you all. Uh, there's some, they're the same, uh, some of the same scriptures that blessed me so much when I was going through the breast cancer. And I know that they will bless you and bless your heart too. Amen. So let's read them together. The first scripture is Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Let's read. Our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of this was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. By his stripes we're healed. By the Lord Jesus' stripes we're healed. By the Lord Jesus' stripes we're healed. By the Lord Jesus' stripes we're healed. He took stripes for your healing. He took stripes for your healing. And know that by your, his stripes you're healed. You're healed. Amen. You're healed. Hallelujah. Psalms 147, verse 3. Let's read it. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Psalms 103, verse 1 through 3. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His benefits. Hallelujah. Who forgives all iniquity. Who heals all diseases, not some diseases, all diseases, all diseases, all right? Everything's under the blood of Jesus, all diseases, amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. John 11, 4 says, let's read it. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, 
that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Amen. Amen. God, you get the glory. God, you get the glory. God, you get the glory. Hallelujah. You get the glory, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 118, verse 17 says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I should not die. <laughs> I should not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I should not die. <laughs> I should not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, God. I have a prayer that I would like to share with you. And maybe you are going through a sickness or you may want to stand in the gap for someone else that might be ill. So can you stand with me and let's, let's say this prayer together. This prayer is such a blessing to me every time I... Excuse me. It's a blessing to me because... Um, a lot of the women that I speak to here at the church that are going through breast cancer, I call them and I talk to them and we pray together. This is the prayer that I pray over them. And I pray it over myself too. And it's just been such a blessing. We got to stay close to the Lord. We got to trust God to know that whatever we're going through, and I know because I've been there. And when I see young ladies come to me and tell me about the can breast cancer, they're so hurt. They're so scared. But I just want to let them know that you're going to get through it. Amen. You're going to get through it. God is able. So let's say this prayer together. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I exercise. Let's make it personal. Let's make it personal. I exercise authority over this body of mine. Sickness and disease, I refuse to allow you to stay. This body, this house belong to God. It is a temple of God. Satan, you have no rights to trespass. Yes, yes. Now you get out. You leave my body. Authority over it. You slow it. I know it, and God know it. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. God bless you all. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.